We're going to be in the Gospel of Mark for our lesson today. If you'll be finding that, Mark chapter 7. And this will be the third lesson in this uh, chapter, third lesson in this text, really, this, uh, this uh, series of conversations. And it begins in verse 1, and we're not going to read that today, but just to kind of review, um, because it all fits together. Jesus was approached by these religious leaders from Jerusalem. And these religious leaders were critical of the fact that uh, Jesus' disciples were eating without the ceremonial washing of their hands before they ate. And uh, they found fault. That was the first lesson we had a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago. In Mark chapter 7 and verse 2, you'll notice there it says, When some of his disciples eat bread with defile, that is to say with unwashing hands, they found fault. They were critical. They were critical of the disciples of Jesus, and indirectly they were critical of Jesus. Because Jesus tolerated it. Jesus, uh, by, deep, by not uh, correcting them, he went along with it. And, they were, and by the way, the disciples of Jesus were not the one that was wrong. The Pharisees were wrong. In verse 6, if you look there, uh, Jesus called them hypocrites. He said to them, to these critics, Well, hath Isaiah, or Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written. This, this was written about you, hypocrites. This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. So Jesus is rebuking them. And he really exposed them for nullifying God's truth in order to hold on to their traditions. If you look in verse 13, this is where we ended up last week. He said this about them, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition, which you've delivered, and many such like things do you. And so that brings us to verse 14. And let's stand together, if you're able to stand, for the reading of the text for today. We'll just read a few verses in the beginning, and we'll bring some more verses into the message later. Hope you have your Bible today. Verse 14 says, And when he had called all the people unto him, he said unto them, Hearken unto me, every one of you, and understand, there is nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those are they that defile the man, If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. So this is the last part of this story uh, that we're going to deal with today. And Jesus is teaching a lesson, not just to the Pharisees. He's teaching the lesson to all the people. We'll see that clearly and lay out in the scripture. But he's also teaching a lesson to us. He teaches us where spiritual defilement comes from. It comes from within us. That's an important truth to understand and apply. Look again at verse 15 before we pray. There is nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those are they that defile the man. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word today. God, how we delight in your law. We rejoice in your precepts. We pray today that as we study the Bible together, you'd help us to be attentive. Help us to have learners' hearts and minds. 
And God, may you work in every heart today. Every heart. Help me as I preach. Help us all as we apply, as we listen and learn. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Jesus, as I said a moment ago, is speaking to the people. Notice what it says in verse 14. And when he had called all the people. Now he had been speaking to the Pharisees. Uh, directly to them about their false uh, worship, about their hypocrisy. But now he calls all the people, and look what he says in verse 14, he called all the people unto him and said unto them, hearken unto me every one of you and understand. I can just feel and sense the directness. Hark, listen to me, every one of you. Hearken, listen, listen carefully, he says. To what I'm about to tell you. Because it's an important lesson. He wanted to take advantage of this teaching moment. Jesus did this. He would be addressing problems. He'd be, he'd be dealing with situations or maybe performing miracles. But he would then turn that into a teaching moment. And Jesus did not want anyone in this crowd to miss or to misunderstand what he was about to say. And, and what did he say? Verse 15. There is nothing... Nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him. Now, what is, what is the context of this? Jesus is addressing this teaching that the Pharisees were, were compulsive about washing their hands. Especially, he says in the earlier verses, when they would come from the market. They've been to the market. And he wasn't just concerned they've got a little dirt on their hands. It wasn't like, it wasn't like a high, Genic issue. It was about it was about a ceremonial cleansing. They felt like that being in the Gentile market or being around these people and they've they've rubbed nose with sinners that somehow they need to wash their hands of this filth before they can eat or else they'll be defiled. And Jesus is basically saying that's absurd. That's ridiculous. That's why he says, listen, every one of you, there's nothing, verse 15, from without a man that enter in can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those are the things that defile them. And the word defile means to pollute, to make it unclean. What he's saying is man's spiritual problems cannot be fixed with any external ritual. What we have wrong inside of us spiritually, between us and God, there is no religious activity that can fix that. No matter how many times you wash your hands, no matter how many times you get baptized, no matter how many times you join different churches, it won't fix what's wrong with us. Jesus wants us to understand that. And he's exposing their hypocrisy. He says, you can, basically, I'm just, I'm just drawing this out of what he's saying. You can have clean hands and have a filthy heart. Isn't that true? And... Jesus wants us to understand this. And I, th- I think a distinction needs to be made here. And I hope you'll really follow this important. I want you to try to hear what I'm communicating. Today. There are people who sometimes look even at Christians because Christians have certain things that they say, well, I don't, I'm not going to do that. Or I don't, I don't really want to go there. And, and they believe in some kind of standards of separation and And they want to follow Bible teaching about their associations and living a separated life. But people criticize them and say, you're just Pharisees, you're just hypocrites. 
as though, as, as though we think we can be justified before God because of these things. But I don't know anybody. I personally don't know anybody who believes that. I don't know anybody who believes that living a separated life will make you a Christian. I don't believe, know anybody who believes that. I don't, believe, I don't know anybody who believes that having standards about the way we live makes us justified before God. Matter of fact, the people that I know that are Christians who are careful about their godly living and they try to avoid sinful practices. They're careful about the music they listen to. They're careful about the places they go. They're careful about the language they use. They don't think that any of those external things will justify them. They don't believe that. They believe like we all believe. You're saved by the blood of Jesus. You're cleansed by the blood of Christ. You're saved through faith in Jesus Christ. But the Bible teaches us that when, once we're saved, that we, we're saints. The Bible calls us. We're godly people. We're to live like godly people. So don't misunderstand what these Pharisees believed with what I just described to you. You're talking about two entirely different things. These people were far different than that. They believed that their external practices, such as washing their hands could cleanse them from spiritual contamination. That's different than what I just described to you. I hope you can see that. Jesus said this about these self-righteous people that Jesus is dealing with right here. Paul said this about these people in Romans 10. Listen carefully. He says, For they, talking about the Jewish people, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. They were self-righteous. They were, they were trying to establish their righteousness. But I want to tell you, according to the Bible, please hear me today, especially, especially if you're not sure you're saved or you're not really sure you have a relationship with God, we have no righteousness in and of ourselves. None of us. None of us. You might look at someone and say, boy, there's a righteous person. According to the Bible, we're all sinners. The Bible says this, there is none righteous. No, not one. We all have the same problem. And it's not in anything we can see physically. It's not in our external appearance. The problem we have is much deeper than that. It's in our heart. It's inside of us. That's what Jesus told me in verse 15. He says, what defiles us comes out of the man. And then he says in verse 16, if any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And by the way, you find that phrase more than once in the Bible. But you know why? Because some people, when I was lost, I couldn't understand spiritual truth. I didn't have ears to hear. And some people who are not saved, you can say, well, I hear all that, but it doesn't really resonate with me, And I, I want to tell you, the Pharisees could not get what Jesus was saying. So look in verse 17. With this, with this part of the conversation being ended, look in verse 17. And when he was entered into the house from the people. So Jesus leaves all these people that he has just given this strong, strong lesson about where defilement comes from. And he just walks right into somebody's house. And what, what happened in his house? Look in verse 17. His disciples asked him concerning 
the parable. As soon as he walked in the house, the disciples began to quiz him. Lord, you've got to explain this to us. Help us understand. This says his disciples asked him when Matthew records the same thing. He said it was Peter actually, which is, is true to Peter's form. Peter asked him, explain this to me. Now, by the way, let me just throw two things in here that I think are really worth thinking about. Number one, the disciples then and now have access to special insight and teaching from Jesus. He explained to his disciples things he did not explain to everybody else. Now, you have to, if you read that, you understand it. Right? The second thing is, a disciple, a true disciple of Jesus, will demonstrate a desire to learn about Jesus Christ. He wants to know the truth. He wants to know what this means. He or she wants to understand what Jesus is telling them. And so Jesus, in verse 18, we're just going to look at our text here, Matthew, uh, Mark chapter 7 and verse 18. And he said to them, unto his disciples, are you so without understanding also? Basically, he says, you know, he says, you don't, you don't get it any more than they don't get it. Talking about those outside the house. Do you not perceive that whatsoever thing from without entereth into the man, it cannot defile him? Don't you see that just because your hands are dirty, that does not defile you spiritually? And then he's going to give them a lesson on the human digestive system. Of all things. You say, I didn't know I'd get this in church. Well, you never know what you might hear about in church. Then he says this in verse 18. I'm going to read, I'm going to begin in the middle of the verse. Do you not perceive that whatsoever things from without entereth into the man, it cannot defile him? Because it entereth not into his heart. The things that you eat or the what you, you don't wash your hands before you eat, It doesn't enter into your heart, in verse 19, but into the belly, into your stomach. And goeth out into the draft, which is a word that we hardly ever use in this context, purging all meats. The worst, and and we we often mispronounce it, but it's pronounced draft. It's it's an archaic word, really. And the, the word draft there is basically a word for the outhouse or the toilet. Basically saying, when you eat something, it goes into your stomach. It doesn't go into your heart. It doesn't affect your heart. It goes into your stomach. And eventually, it'll go out into the toilet. The, the body get, takes the nutrition out of what goes into your, your body, your digestive process, and, and the others are removed by waste. What he's saying is, what you, what you take in your mouth has nothing to do with spiritual defilement. Whether you wash your hands or not. Now, I'm not against washing your hands. We talked about that last week. I think everybody ought to wash their hands every once a week or so. But it has nothing to do with your heart. And in the the Bible there for the heart, it's not talking about your heart like your uh, internal organ, that muscle that pumps your body. It's talking about your inner being. The heart, is the, the heart is the thing in closest, deepest inside of you. The heart of a tree. You'll see the heart of that trunk of that tree. It's that innermost part of that. The, your heart is your inner being. And you know where, where defilement comes from? It doesn't come from what you eat or drink. 
It comes from your heart. Look in verse 20, it says, and he, and he said, that which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. And now he's going to really, very explicit, beginning in verse 21. For from within, within a person, would you personalize this this morning and realize he's talking about you, me, all people? From within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts. You see, even the evil things that we think come from our heart. They come from our heart. And that evil thought there could be, it could be something that's immoral. It could be something that's, uh, but, but, it, but it could be even just hateful thoughts, angry thoughts, bitter thoughts, vengeful thoughts. From within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts. You know why we have such evil thoughts toward things? It's not because people are evil. It's because our heart is wrong. Is that right or wrong? I mean, Jesus is teaching this. And he goes on, he says, evil thoughts, and he says, adulteries, fornications, all kinds of immoral lusts and actions. And then he says, murders, which in another place Jesus teaches that if a man, hate, if you hate someone, you've as much as murdered them in your heart. And then he's talking about thefts, taking what's not rightfully ours. Covetousness, wanting what others have. Greedy. For what other people have. That's not a positive attribute. That's a sin. And where does it come from? It comes from within you. It comes from our heart. And then he uses a very general word there. Wickedness. Which means just all kinds of ungodliness. Depravity. Comes from within. And then he says deceit. That's dishonesty. Hypocrisy. Can I tell you today, lying is a horrible sin? It's horrible. There's no such thing as little white lies. It's a wicked sin. It's against God. God is truthful. Who's the father? Hey, listen. Who's the father of lies? The devil is. And people who lie all the time, I'm telling you, it's a serious spiritual problem. You know where it comes from? Inside you. You, we, we people lie because there's a problem inside of them. And then he says, lasciviousness, which basically means unrestrained, lustful passions. Just no limit to the wicked, vile desires and behavior. And then he says, an evil eye. Isn't that something? An evil eye. You say, I don't know if I've ever seen an evil eye. I've seen them in church. <laughs> right? Evil eye. You know where the source of that evil eye? It's inside the person. And blasphemy. Ungodly speech. Speaking against God. That's blasphemy. And pride. Who needs explanation for what pride is? Selfishness. Me, my will, what I want. That's evil. It's wicked. It's the character of the devil. Amen. You know where it comes from? It comes from inside us. Look in verse 23. Well, the last word there is foolishness. Just folly, senselessness. Verse 23. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. All these things, 
our, the way we think, the way we look, the way we speak, the way we act, the attitudes we have, all these things are what defile us and they come from within us. It's not based on how many times you've washed your hands. It's not based on any of that kind of stuff. You know, sometimes we have this idea, well, it's the, you know, it's the culture's fault. It's the society's fault. It's my circumstances' fault. No, it's with, it comes from within you. I was thinking this week about the first family, Adam and Eve. And they had two boys, Cain and Abel. We know Adam and Eve sinned. And when they sinned, that sinfulness came upon every person, right? A sinful nature. They had two sons. And their son Cain murdered their son Abel. Is that right or wrong? He didn't didn't murder him because he watched a bunch of television shows about murder. You know why he murdered him? Because murder was in his heart. Somehow I think the devils tricked us into believing that just because we act the way we act because of the way everybody else acts. You know what I'm saying? But our problem's deeper than our culture. To be, you know, we have to have a change of heart. The only way, and this is what Jesus is getting at, the only way for a person to be right with God and right with others has to happen inside them. Right? Because that's where, that's the root of the problem. We deal with the fruit of the problem sometimes. But the root of the problem, it's in us. Jealousy is in us. Envy is in us. Anger is in us. Lust is in us. So what this teaches us, what Jesus, that's why Jesus told all the people, you need to get this. The source of our sin is found within us, within our hearts. You know why we sin? Because our heart is sinful. And changing your behavior, changing your diet, changing your your hand-washing patterns will not fix the problem. Changing the circumstances. A A person could have sinful problems, addictions, anger issues, all those things. And pack up and move halfway around the world and get up the next morning, they got the same issues. Right? Because the problem's within us. Blaming other people, blaming other things, that somehow gets us off the hook. It makes us feel better about ourselves. But that's not the source of the problem. People don't cuss or lie or steal or lust because of the environment. Now, I think it'd be smart for us. To quit listening to a lot of stuff and looking at a lot of stuff that causes us to be tempted. But that's not the real problem. The real problem is in us. Noah lived in one of the most wicked cultures in the world. And Noah walked with God. Is that right or wrong? That doesn't mean we're not careful about our associations or careful about our entertainment. The Bible commands us. Principles of the Bible Dictate to us. We ought to be cautious about our associations. Cautious and selective about those things. But nothing makes us sin. The only person who's responsible for my sin 
is the one that's hollering at you right now. <laughs> right? The only person that's responsible for your sin is you. Amen. It's not your brother, your sister, your mother, your dad, your father. It's, not, it's none of that. It's you. We have to take ownership of the fact that we have sinned against God. If you're bitter, if you're envious, if you're prideful, if you're dishonest, don't you don't have to look around you to see where the problem is. Look in the mirror. Because there's the problem. We sin because we're sinners by nature. Right? I will never ever forget a conversation I heard, and you may remember it, I've told it. It's been a long, 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 long time ago. I remember as a teenage boy sitting on the front of my porch at our mother's house, and she was inside talking to Bobby McKinnon, who was her best friend, lived down up the road. My wife knows the name. And I was in some kind of trouble. Imagine that. I can't imagine that. I'll never remember. The screen door was closed, but the door was open. You could hear clearly hear the conversation. I'm sitting on the front porch just looking out toward the front yard. And I heard my mama say, I know Tommy's not lying. He's never lied to me. <laughs> But you know what? I know Tommy pretty good. And I was guilty of lying. But Mama didn't think I'd lie. She never had caught me lying. She never heard about me lying. I'm telling you, we all have this sin problem. By the way, if you ever call me that, you'll be in big trouble. (laughs) We sin because we're sinners by nature. True holiness is a matter of the heart. It's not about what we do or how many times we wash our hands or how we part our hair. True holiness comes from a heart. And here ought to be the, here, this ought to be the primary question on every one of our minds today. How can a person's heart be clean? How can you fix something inside of you? Religion can't do it. Religion can't do it. People come to church sometimes. I went to church. I didn't really know what I needed when I started going to church as a 20 or 21-year-old young man. I needed help. But I didn't go just thinking, if I go, I'll get born again and I'll have a new heart. I didn't think like that. And so people come to church needing help. I came needing help. People are here today probably say, boy, I need God's help in my life. But coming to church itself will not fix what's wrong with us. We have to have something on the inside fixed. But hear me. Here's the good news. God can fix what's wrong on the inside. Isn't that good to know? God can. We can't, but God can. And when when God saves us, that's a Bible term, but when God saves us, when we're born again, He cleanses us from within. Nobody else can do that, but God can. And He changes our heart. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. He changes our heart. When, for, a person who wants to, for a person who wants to be changed, this is great news. Right? This is great news. If a person really wanted to quit lying, if a person really wanted to quit drugs, if a person really wanted to quit their foul mouth, God can change you from the inside. You don't just have to go to 
and go to some course and learn how to change your vocabulary. God can change you from the inside. This is, this is not, I'm, you know, this is as true as I can be. One of my greatest fears when I first thought about me becoming a preacher was, what if I preach and I start using foul language? Because <laughs> I used it so frequently, I said, that's not going to fly. God changes you from the inside. Aren't you glad about that? He changes your heart. He doesn't just change your outside. He changes your heart. He forgives our sin, but He deals with the real problem. And, and this, this is, you know, sounds may sound theological or may sound like doctrine. It is doctrine. But when you get saved, He doesn't just forgive you and doesn't just change your heart. He comes to live inside you. God Himself, by His Holy Spirit, He comes to live inside you. And that's, that's helpful because we still live in this body of flesh. You know, if I wanted to, I could be dishonest. I could lie. If I wanted to, I could lust. We, we still have this body of flesh. It doesn't mean we're perfect. But we have the Spirit of God living within us. The Holy Spirit of God and holy is the only way He knows how to live. Is holy. Aren't you glad about that? Now again, if a person doesn't really want to live a holy life, that may not be good news, but I'll tell you, I think it's great news. He becomes our life. In Romans 8, Paul said this, that the righteousness, think about this, the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. He gives us the power to live the way God wants us to live. He gives us the power to think the way God wants us to think. To speak the way God wants us to speak. To love the way God wants us to love. To forgive the way God wants us to forgive. He gives us that ability as His children. See, sometimes people, I believe, and we, any of us could do this, they get saved, but then they try to live the Christian life in their own power. You can't live it in your own power. You can't. You can't do it. Even though you're forgiven, you still, you still have this body of flesh. But God didn't leave us here on our own. He's with us. The Holy Spirit is with us. He helps us. He dwells in us. He wants to fill our lives. He wants to direct our lives. We, don't, we cannot fulfill God's will in the energy of the flesh. If I said it a thousand times, it would not be saying it too many times. People say, well, the Christian life don't work. I tried that. The Christian life works when He lives it. It don't work because you try to live it. Right? Defilement comes from within. Whether it's our thoughts or our words or our actions or our attitudes, what comes out of us comes out because it's in us. And that's a painful thing to admit. Right? It's hard for people to admit. It's much easier to blame it on somebody else. You know, it's mama's fault or daddy's fault or the church's fault or the preacher's fault or my wife's fault. It's much easier to blame it on everybody else rather than just be man up or woman up and saying, I do this, I think this way, I talk this way, I keep acting this way because there's a problem inside me. 
But the good news is Jesus can change us and he can help us do what he wants us to do. And that applies to everybody in this room. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put everybody in this room in one or two categories. One of two categories. First category is if you're here today and you're like I was before I got saved, had a religious background, but I didn't know the Lord, and I was a train wreck waiting to happen. I couldn't do right. I couldn't talk right. I couldn't think right. But by the grace of God, I heard that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And that I could be forgiven of my sins and I could start over again. I wasn't a kid. I was an adult who had done a lot of wrong as a kid and as an adult. But I'm just telling you, the gospel is every wrong thing. Please hear what I'm saying. Every wrong thing, every wrong word, every wrong thought, every wrong thing you or I have ever done, Jesus died on the cross to pay for that. That you could be forgiven of that and cleansed from that. Not by doing good stuff, but by trusting in Jesus completely as your Savior. And one day, by the grace of God, I asked Jesus to change my life. Forgive my sins. I put my faith in what He did on the cross for me. And the very next day, I realized something has happened in me. I didn't, learn, I didn't go through a ritual or learn a bunch of stuff. I was born again. I was saved. I still had temptations, but I was saved. He changes our life. If you're not saved today, that's what you need. And He's, he's no respecter of persons. He'll save anybody who'll come to Him in faith trusting Him completely. He'll save you today. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be great? Now, for a person who just wants to keep living in sin, living in sin, living in sin, that may not sound like good news, you know. But I tell you, when you get saved, you're going to want to live for Him. Amen. There are people here today that need to be saved. You've never truly been born again. You ought to, you ought to come today to Jesus Christ. You say, how do I do that? I'll be standing right here in a few moments. And you, and you can just come to me and say, Preacher, I need to know more about this. Nobody's going to trick you, talk you into anything, push anything down your throat. Somebody will take a Bible, answer any questions you have, and show you how you can be saved, have your sins forgiven, and know you're going to go to heaven one day. Isn't that a good deal? You ought to come to Christ today. You know, to do that, though, you've got to be honest. You've got to own up to the fact that I've got a sin problem, but I want to be forgiven. And I want to put my faith in Jesus. You ought to come today. That's one group of people, and there's several here like that, I'm sure. But then there's the other group of people. Those are people who have been saved. At some point in your life, maybe recently, maybe, maybe a long time ago. At some point in your life, you were truly born again. You were saved. You put your faith in Jesus. But you still see, coming out of your thought life, out of your mind, out of your mouth, out of your actions, stuff that is not pleasing to God. And you know it's not pleasing to God. And, you, and we need to quit blaming it on everybody else and own up to the fact there's something not right inside me. Right? But the same God who saves sinners cleanses and changes us as well. 
He wants to do that. He wants to do that. But we've got to come to Him and believe. Quit blaming everybody else. Don't even blame the devil. We say things because we are, we've got something wrong in our heart. We say things we shouldn't say and act in ways we shouldn't act. And if you're saved, you ought to know, if you're saved, you ought to know that God can help you do better than that. Right? Amen. Nothing, nothing, nada, nothing that comes from without a man can defile a man, make him spiritually unclean. What comes out of a man, that's what shows, that's what defiles a man. Right? I think there are people here today that if you would man up to where you are in life spiritually and say, I need Jesus in my life, you could walk out of here today a changed person. But you've got to take that step, right? You've got to take that step.